Lads, welcome to episode 65 of the Runner Back Podcast. Yep, this is your producer on the intro duties today. Snag has hit the bench once again. We're okay with that. We've got a big show, so it's going to help us move at pace uh, with Snags on the bench. Absolutely massive show today, and it's our first pay-per-view one. So the first picks from the boys this week. So I'm excited to see that. Get the new season, season three or season four? Season four of the belt, actually. Looking forward to that. Statman holding strong. We'll probably kick us off this week with picks. Statman, they'll be liking that. And we have our first guest on for the year two, Jacinta Austin, the juggernaut. is fighting on the Eternal 65 card on the Gold Coast. Along with Jacinta, actually, we've got another little local actually giving him his own segment that's how local he is justin van heden's going to join the show later today he's going to talk a little bit of local action with us but before i jump into too much i'm going to introduce my co-host today triple co-host today we've got three of us on the potty stoney how are you dl mate i'm doing good very unsnags like intro there i would have rolled with something like episode number 65 is snags alive yes he is but his days are numbered dl so it'll be good to have the the great man back but not tonight we've got a got someone filling in for him i can't wait jvh what a lad Statman, how are you i'm good i'm a little bit concerned that we might see uh everyone tune off the second that they hear uh, they, they don't hear snags as dulcet tones to begin the podcast <laughs> um people tune in for the chaos that he brings i feel but um maybe maybe like you, you can't have chaos every single every single podcast. You got to have like the calm betwi- be, uh, between the storms um, to remind you why you come back. So I'm looking forward to a nice cruisy podcast where we get some picks in for a UFC card. Yeah, it should be good. Should be good. slightly offended there. You think people are going to turn off when they hear the intros? <laughs> just just far Jack. Just <laughs> just Jack. Just Jack. Just Jack. He's, he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> All right, boys. Before we jump in the podcast, we need to thank our sponsors, Humble Fightwear. Humble Fightwear is an Australian jiu-jitsu brand that celebrates one of the most important parts of martial arts, becoming humble. Stony. That's right, DL. Love the passion behind this brand as they are all about the journey and you can count on the quality of their gear to be with you every single step, DL. No syrupy pancakes during this ad read <laughs> makes me very, very confused, but you can find their stuff on their Instagram page. Give them a follow or head to www.humblefightwear.com.au. Help them spread good vibes one purchase at a time. And for being amazing runner back listeners, the legends at Humble Fireware are giving you 15% off your entire order. We just did our giveaway during the week and handed out one of the new rashies that look absolutely mint. Um, so you can grab that on the website and you can grab code word RIB15. That's RIB15 at checkout. Boys, that wraps that up. I think it's time to jump in the podcast. We might kick it off with a bit of overrated or underrated. Boys, I've gone to the dark edges of the internet for some of these headlines that caught my eye and would love the opinion of the boys. This first one kicks us off. Amanda Nunes leaving American top team has nothing to do with Kayla Harris match. Unsure where I sit on on this one, DL, but I'm going to say overrated. Like we see a lot of fighters uh, moving around training camps, uh, although the, this one does have just a little bit of suspicion. But I'm going to say slightly overrated. Yeah, I'm going to agree with uh, with Stony here. I think it's overrated. Champs move camp. Uh, TJ Dillashaw did the very same thing 
when he gained the title. I don't think it's unusual for Amanda Nunes, especially after the performance she put in against Juliana Pena, to maybe think, hey, maybe maybe I need to focus on me and get that belt back. The more I read into that article, she always had a private camp, even in American Top Team. She had her own time set aside. She had her own coaches ready waiting for her. This is just an extension of that, but coaches change. So yeah. interesting, interesting. Let's go to the next one. Eugene Berryman hopes for a five-round whitewash. Uh, underrated. I hope for five more rounds, two DL. I hope uh, Whitaker knocks him out in three and then knocks him out in two. So I'm with <laughs> Eugene Berryman on that one. <laughs> I'm going to say underrated on this one as well, just because I feel like that they're, they're hyping this up to be a longer drawn-out fight. That is that is where Robert Whitaker does shine. Um, and I think Izzy in a five-round war against Kelvin Gaslam was absolutely fantastic. Robert Whittaker in five-round wars against Yoel, Remember, Yoel Romero was absolutely fantastic. If it's a five-round war, um, I'll take it. Five-round whitewash, we'll see. Nice little quote from Izzy in there too. Has Rob learnt any new tricks? No. This next one's Stoney's mate, Mark Goddard. Current MMA culture is the major reason for the lack of corner stoppages. Just for the sheer fact it was Mark Goddard, I want to go overrated <laughs> deal, but I cannot. I'm with him on this one. Uh, I won't take up too much time because Statman loves this uh, topic, but I'm going to say underrated. Yeah, 1,000% underrated, um, and it's something that doesn't get discussed often enough. On this podcast, it gets discussed a lot because I love to bring it up, um, <laughs> but I genuinely don't think that this culture is going to change it till a major, uh, major organization sees a death either inside the octagon or shortly outside the octagon. It is a matter of time as these as these corners uh, allow their fighters to take unnecessary punishment. You see corner stoppages happen all the time in boxing. No one looks down on the, on the fighters. No one looks down on the corners. They're protecting their fighter when the fighter can't protect themselves. And, yeah, it, it needs to change and it needs to change before someone passes away. Now, just quickly, who was the fighter that made a pact with their corner that under no circumstances they throw in the towel? One of the silliest packs I, I, I can recall. It, it, ha- it, ha- it happens so much, but you might be talking about the Anthony Smith fight. Where Anthony Smith uh, begged his corner, no matter what happens in this fight, you can't stop it. Glover Tashira nearly killed the man. His teeth were falling out in his mouth. I still see that argument being used for why the corner shouldn't have stopped the fight. He asked the corner. He asked the corner that they shouldn't stop the fight under any circumstances. Well, fuck that. Like, if if your choice is have your have your have your fighter be pissed, you potentially fire you, or have your fighter sustain potentially life altering or potentially fatal injuries, make the call that you are empowered to make. Call it and cop whatever comes your way from the fighter. In the meantime, but if your fighter's teeth are falling out and you're getting beat up and there's no hope of a Come back, throw in the towel. It's a brutal sport, but they it take is. it too far. They take it, it too is. far. It's a brutal sport, Protect with, your like, even with regular stoppages. UFC 273, Alexander Volkanovsky versus the Korean Zombie. A headlined fight with a co-main of Aljamay Sterling and Petey Yarn 2. Stoney. I've gone back and forth a little bit on this to Dale, but I've settled on underrated. And I'll tell you why. 
because no one really expects the Korean Zombie to put up much of a fight against the Volk. And based on what we saw in the Aljamain Sterling and Petty Yarn, no one expects Aljamain Sterling to put up much of a fight in the rematch. Now, I've learned over the years that the cards that you don't expect to be good often turn out to be the best ones of the year. So on that reason alone, I'm looking forward to this one, mate. Underrated for Sterling. Yeah, I'm going to take it underrated as well. I'm a little, I'm a little concerned for Alexander Volkanovski just because I feel like this is this is a fight with very little upside for him. Um, the Max Holloway fight is the fight that um, he needs to cement his legacy, even though he's already beaten him twice already. But Korean Zombie win doesn't really do too much for him. Aljamain Sterling is a world class fighter, um, so I'm hoping that he pulls out a little bit more against Pedian the second time around. But I love watching Pedian. He's he's such a technically proficient fighter. I'd watch him. I'd watch him do five rounds against a heavy bag, to be honest. Boys, and that was over or underrated. Boys, our first official guest for 2022 comes to us with a fight booked on Eternal 65 on the Gold Coast in March. Jacinta Austin, or otherwise known as the Juggernaut, coming in at a pro MMA strawweight record of 2-0 and zero, and also a pro boxing debut this year at 1-0. Let's jump into our chat with Jacinta. Hey, Jacinta, how are you going? Hey, good, thanks. How are you? Good, good. You made it out of your car, mate. I know. I made it out of my car. I showered. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, moved, time, I moved a few things around because I was like, there's going to be no lighting in my car. I'm not going to be here. <laughs> I'm going to have three other people in there. So I was like, I just. <laughs> hey, we appreciate that. Uh, Jacinta, it's been a busy 12 months for you. Two MMA wins and a boxing debut on a Tim Zoo card. Is this activity deliberate, mate? Or is it just normal for you? Do you like to keep busy? <laughs> this is uh, this is actually inactivity for me compared to. <laughs> Compared to what I would normally do in prior years, um, it's actually a pretty pretty slow twelve months for me, really. Now, Jacinta, the first uh, first that I saw you you fight that was in Melbourne uh, last year against Lisa the Savage. Absolute cracking atmosphere for the fight. Uh, I thought Lisa really sort of dictated the pace early, but you're able to wrestle that back. And what what I was really impressed by was obviously going up against a, a really strong grappler in Lisa. You're able to show that you're no no slouch on the ground either. Obviously, coming in with a Muay Thai and the kickboxing background. Uh, the thing that really caught my attention was in the post-fight uh, interview, you mentioned that you had a strict game plan, but it completely didn't really go to plan for, for that fight. So my question to you is how much confidence does a fight like that give you knowing that effectively you, your game plan goes out the window and you're just relying on your raw skills and raw talent and it's still enough to get the job done? Uh, look, I'm still not entirely happy. Like I'm not happy with my performance in that fight. It's probably going to be one of the one of my worst performances to date. Um, but like you said, um, being able to adapt in that fight, I was not going in there t- intending to wrestle or grapple or even really go to the ground. Um, but we train it all for these situations when fights don't go your way. Um, and, yeah, it gave me, it gave me a little bit of, like, extra confidence that, okay, I am ready to take, like, the fight to the ground. I can take the fight wherever I want to go now. So, yeah, it was kind of cool. Blessing in disguise maybe. And uh, your opponent for, for this eternal MMA, Alicia Smith, um, obviously you previously met her in 2019 uh, when you were both amateurs. Uh, what does it mean to you to get that win back? Uh, and what are the biggest steps that you've taken uh, in your career since that loss? Okay, so that was, yeah, quite a few years ago. Um, and I was just a K1 fighter then. And I took the, the fight on about uh, seven days' notice. Just, you know, with the game plan, I'll just go, yeah, no, I'll just kickbox, it'll be fine. Like. She won't take me down. 
Um, so I had no clue. I'd never trained a day of MMA before. Um, and I think the fact that I lasted the three rounds and, and went a decision with no MMA knowledge um, says a lot. And now we're three years three years down the track and I'm two years into MMA training. I think this fight's going to be very, very different to the last one. It's going to be a lot of redemption involved. And you look at her, you look at her training camp. So she's at a dominance MMA and resilience training center, like two relatively um, highly respected MMA gyms. Uh, but she hasn't really found her footing like in her amateur career or a professional career. So how much stock do you put in when you are approaching an opponent in their training camps and how much do you put into what their record looks like on paper? Uh, I don't put much into what their record looks like because I've learned many a time that that doesn't always uh, influence the fight the way you think it will. Um, it's an MMA fight so it only takes like one bad decision or one slip or one uh miscalculation and the fight gets completely turned around so I'm not reading into records I know she's tough I know she's strong because I've felt her physical strength before um yeah it's going to be a good fight I don't don't read into records it's going to be competitive she's going to want to beat me again and make a point of it and hand me my first loss but um yeah that won't happen (laughs) <laughs> do you go in with a different game plan this time or is it just because you've had the experience now over the last two years in MMA training that you feel like you've done enough to to get that game plan through? Uh, I'm comfortable everywhere now. So I don't feel the need to stay on my feet and make it a, a kickboxing fight anymore. I'm, I'm comfortable everywhere. So wherever I feel like taking it on the night, it's where it will go. I just want to touch back onto the the Tim Zoo card. Um, yeah. Obviously the hype around a Tim Zoo card in Australia at the moment is huge. How, how was that opportunity come up to, to jump on that? Um, well, I was waiting for an MMA fight, but it's it's hard with opponents, as you probably know. Yep. Um, and one of the local girls in Sydney, uh, her opponent couldn't get here with um, the COVID rules, et cetera, flights. Um, so four weeks out, they're running around looking for an opponent for her. Um, everyone sort of dodged it because she's got a bit of a bit of a reputation around here. Um, and yeah, we put our hands up. We're like, we'll do it. We're, yeah. we're not doing anything at the moment, so we'll do it. It's a great opportunity. Like, it's one of it's the best show in Australia. My boxing's only going to get better from it, win or lose. Um, and yeah, it was a good challenge and it was good fun and it was yeah. It was- so, would you have had any camp for that at all? Not not really. Uh, four weeks. Four weeks. It's four weeks just out of COVID too. So yeah, it was very crammed. But what's the what's the weight cutting uh, like in boxing compared to MMA? Because I know obviously there's more divisions in boxing, but yeah. like, is it is it as strenuous? Well, they have like two and a half kilos between each division, so that's nothing really. <laughs> we look mm. at our weight divisions; they're like five kilos per division. So we are. Uh, she she came up one weight class um, for the short notice call, um, and we fought at fifty three kilos. Yeah, you could probably spend like two weeks of an MMA fight camp just <laughs> just getting on onto the scales, getting on getting on weight. Yeah. Essentially, mine's pretty good these days, but yeah, good team. So, and to go back to MMA, is it frustrating because we've had um, a number of female artists on on the podcast, and the frustration is the same around opponents when you're preparing for a fight or or when you're just waiting around. Is is that the big frustration and, and why you sometimes see some of these fighters sort of leave to? Asian countries or, or, or pushing to the wards of states to, to just get a fight? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like my last fight with Lisa, I came up 
a weight division, which um is five kilos, which is quite significant. And for me to weigh in under the uh, limit and for my opponent to weigh in over, it makes it an even bigger gap. Um, so, yeah, it's really hard to find opponents. Uh, that's why we look – that's why I still do boxing. I still do kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, like anything I can do um, competitively because if you're just waiting around for MMA opponents, you're going to be waiting for a long time, especially if you want one in your own weight class. And just to finish off, mate, what does the next 12 months look for you? And obviously you've got this fight on the Gold Coast. Uh, are you planning to stay inactive, if you called it, but we called it active? <laughs> are you planning to still have a pretty big 12 months? Is there is there some things on the horizon for you? Yeah, well, the plan is for these next 12 months, um, hopefully get it done within 12 months, is to get the three fights with Eternal done. Um, ideally win all those if I want to box in between that or um to go back to my uh, wrestling, jiu-jitsu comps, I'll do all that. Um, and after, yeah, after I ideally win these next three fights, um, bigger and better. Excellent. Yeah. And we can't let you leave without giving us a prediction for how the Eternal 65 fight's going to go. So can you give us a little prediction on uh, how your fight will end? Mm, I, have a, I have a couple of ways. Um, I'm definitely going to win. <laughs> <laughs> definitely going to win. Good start. Um, whether or not the question is whether or not I favor my striking or my grappling at the moment because I'm I'm doing very well in both um, and in the gym I'm finishing in both so on the night I think it's going to be more about what she gives me. Now just a sorry just a real quick one for me uh, just you know I read in an article that uh, for a number of years your parents weren't too keen on you getting into the combat sport. Just wondering now you've got a couple of wins under the belt. Is there any uh, – are they starting to come around a little no, bit? No, not particularly. No. <laughs> no. I feel like I answer this question in every podcast. <laughs> That's all right. Um, and, mate, this, this episode of the podcast has got a pay-per-view we're doing picks for, so we can't let you leave without a, a prediction for us for Israel Asanya versus Robert Whitaker. What have you got in the uh, in your C pay-per-view this weekend? I love them both, obviously, and I'm Australian, obviously. But um, I'll be happy for whoever wins. Yep. Really, really happy for oh. whoever wins. <laughs> right <laughs> the fence. <laughs> very diplomatic, very well played. Yeah. Cool. I, think yeah. it, I think it would be cool if Whitaker won because then we get to see a trilogy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Well, Jacinta, thanks for jumping on the Runner Back podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. From one local to another, this man is joining us each month on the podcast to drop a little local knowledge. Straight off his Instagram bio, this one, prize fighter, coastal combat featherweight champion, and now co-host of the new podcast, Fight Talk Down Under, Justin Van Heden. How are you, mate? Doing great. Doing great. Happy to be back on the podcast with the boys. It's been a hot minute, so yeah, it's, I'm excited it's to be hot. here. A bit controversial last time you were on the podcast, actually, <laughs> mate. It was the live one at uh, Melbourne. Yeah. I yeah. should have, Maybe I should grab that audio for your intro. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. I was, I mean, that was, yeah, that was a trip because I think I was like, right after my fight, you know, obviously everything happened. I got out the back and I was sitting there with the doctor and then I was like, I swear there's something I need to be doing right now that I'm not thinking of. And I was like, I need to have a beer. That's one thing. But then I was like, no, I said to the boys I was going to do on the podcast. Yeah, and then, yeah, obviously got to come up there and meet the boys and yeah, chat about some it, stuff. Mate. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Now, mate, we've got you on the podcast to help us out. Uh, we thought a man that's on the scene got his ear in everything. We thought, mate, let's let's reach out to JBH and see if he wants to do a regular segment on the potty. 
we thought you would be the man to come to. Have you got anything for us? Any upcoming fights in the local scene that we should be focusing on over the next few weeks? I've got a few fights and you made the right decision because you're talking to that bloke who'll be up at like three in the morning watching like Alaskan fighting championship or something like that. So, <laughs> you know, I'm quite clued up uh, in, in some of the MMA that's happening, not only in Australia, but around the world. Yes. Um, obviously, we'll start off simple. This week, we got Coastal Combat taking place up in Queensland, Sunshine Coast. Um, it's their 10th event. There's a few good fights on the card, but a couple that stick out for me, not only as someone who fights like in the local scene and, and stuff like that, but, you know, as a fan of the sport that stick out. First up, there's Cooper Royal versus Scotty Nicholson. This is a Bantamweight amateur title fight. I believe Cooper Royal just competed at the IMMAF World Championships. Unfortunately, lost the unanimous decision in his first fight. And he's taking on Scotty Nicholson from Ignite Martial Arts. Trains under Ryan Dunstan, very experienced coach, one of the pioneers of Australian MMA. Um, it's a classic striker versus grappler matchup. Cooper's obviously very, very slick on the feet, very fancy. Um, for the draw comparisons to his sort of stand-up style, we're, we're talking people like Wonderboy, people like Adesanya, you know, very slick, very good at managing his range, lots of weapons, kicks, knees, elbows, everything, you know, he's, he's quite, quite versed. And then you've got Scotty Nicholson, trains at Ignite, trains alongside guys like Dave Martinez, you know, credentialed grapplers, strong wrestlers, um, so, you know, he has the ability to use those things to try and dismantle Cooper and take him down to the mat because that's obviously no secret where Cooper struggles. He's improved every fight, but that's where he struggles. So it's going to be who can control the range, who can implement their game. Uh, but ultimately for that fight, I see Cooper just putting on a show again. He's the champ champ for a reason. Man's got two belts. And I dare say this would be his last fight as an amateur before he goes pro. Mm-hmm. We'll move on to the main event. You got Nicole Shepasfari taking on... Lisa Kiriaku from Absolute. Absolute cracker fight. Um, obviously, Lisa's been very active. Um, she likes to get after it. So she's now one and one as a pro coming off a win. Uh, Nicole's coming off a loss. Hasn't fought since 2019. She had a bit of a layoff. Um, obviously, she's a credential grappler, brown belt in jiu-jitsu. Um, you know, so she's, she's got some good skills on the mats. She is, she is also dangerous on the feet, but obviously, it's no secret. She likes to take it down to the ground and pound girls out or look for a submission. Elisa, obviously, she's one of those people. She likes to come forward. She likes to she likes to fight. She's super scrappy, likes to push girls up against the cage, you know, and she trains at Absolute. She's got some good coaches. She's got some good training partners, you know, people like Jack Jenkins, current featherweight champion. You know, she's got guys like Raja Shippen that you're sharing the mats with. You've got Lockie Giles, people like that at your disposal. So she's going to be well-rounded. Um, I see it being a, a back-and-forth fight, especially for the first two rounds. Um, but then ultimately yeah, I see Lisa able to just grind it out and put a pace on and take advantage of the fact that she's been more active in this uh, recent time. Next Friday, we've got Hex 22 taking place in Melbourne at the Pavilion, yes. uh, one of the greatest venues in Australia. So um, nice little venue, yeah. great venue. And so far, I'm undefeated in Melbourne, so we've got to take that. <laughs> we got to take that. Um, a fight that sticks out uh, – on this event for me is a fight between JJ Ambrose and Abel Brights. So this is taking place at welterweight between two guys with, you know, massive experience. They both have, you know, credentialed records. Uh, JJ's 34 and nine, I believe. And I Ambrose has been around for years yeah. and years. And Abel's 12 and seven um, is coming off of, of some losses. I think, I believe he fought Jamie Malaki, uh, lightweight mm. and then fought, BJ Bland not long after that. Um, 
and you know, so he's coming off a break. He's coming off a, some losses. I'm I'm interested to see how this fight takes place at welterweight. You know, because Abel, I believe he was killing himself to make lightweight, and it was it was a bit of a struggle for him. I actually uh, on the weekend just gone. I, I got to spar and move around with him on the mats. He came down to freestyle and uh, was actually doing some rounds. So, you know, it's good to see him sort of, he looks healthy. He looks like he's in the right mind, you know, mental sort of space for this fight and coming off such a long sort of sort of break. And obviously you, you said it before, JJ's been around for years. The dude's obviously got a massive record. He's fought on so many different promotions. Um, but really this fight's going to be a delight for the fans because JJ's obviously well-rounded. He's a strong, big, athletic dude. And then you got Abel, someone who doesn't take a backward step. He pushes the pace. He's in your face. He's trying to knock your head off from the get-go. Um, and he's pretty well-rounded as well. You know, a lot of his fights when he, where you see his wins, he's marching people down and just beating the crap out of them. But he is pretty well-rounded as well. Like the guy can wrestle. He can grapple. He can mix in, you know, the clinching and stuff like that. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see who can manage the range in this fight the best, who can dictate how much the pace changes and who's going to take advantage of the little scrambles. Um, I think JJ is going to take advantage of the fact that Abel has been out of the cage for a while and try and just put pace on him and try and uh-huh. test his cardio. And then Abel, like I said, he's obviously going to try to look, use his power, use his, use his ability to just keep forward, coming forward. He'll, he'll, he'll take a couple to land a shot. Um, but ultimately I see JJ, you know, starting off strong in this fight, but then crumbling as as he has to take those shots from Abel and, and ultimately I see Abel getting a TKO finish. I didn't want to sort of go too far ahead with the fights that are, that are lined yeah. up, but the other fight that sticks out that is coming up that I wanted to talk about, the fight between Josh Kuhn and Blake Donnelly. So that's obviously taking place on Eternal 64. You got Josh who's 3-0, and you got Blake who's 5-1. and uh, You know, this is, this is going to be the matchup that is going to be the test for Josh. Can yeah. he walk forward, use use the skills that he has, the power that he has, and get another first round finish in you know in, in, a, in a quick time? Or is Blake going to be able to use his well-rounded game, his experience, his athleticism, his strength, his size, because he's, he's he's quite a big guy for lightweight, um, to ultimately you know present a brick wall for Josh and shut him down completely? When you look at the fight like that, you know. I understand, you know, Josh is someone I've, I've, I've shared the match with him. Obviously I've seen him in action uh, in Queensland. I've also spent a lot of time training with Blake. So, you know, it's easy to sit here and go, okay, on paper, this person's got an advantage here and this person's got an advantage in, in another area. And as much as people are like, oh, you know, Josh obviously would be training his grappling. He would be training his wrestling and stuff like that. That is one thing. But the question on my mind is, are you training those areas simply just going through the motions and being like, that's okay. I know what I want to do. I like to punch people in the face and come forward. Or are you actually investing the time in those areas and going, I need to be doing this. I need to pay attention. What am I doing here? What's something I need to take away and, and, you know, and utilize, or if, if it's just the case of you just going through the motions, he's going to get in there. He's going to try and press, press forward. Blake's going to get a hold of him at some point and he's just going to be lost. But at the same way, the other way, Blake's got to be disciplined in the fact that you got to respect that Josh has got power. He hits very, very hard and he only needs a little, little bit of an opportunity, a small time frame, to get in there and, and do his best work. So, uh, yeah, that's another fight that sticks out. And ultimately, I've got a – it's a hard one to pick because, you know, obviously I like both guys. I'm fond of both guys, but I've got to go with with, with Blake. He's, he's, he's a teammate of mine. Obviously, spent a lot of time with him 
on the mats and he's, he's been in camps with, with, uh, with Volk. So I'm picking Blake to, to go out there and, and, and win by a submission in round two. And I'm even going to call a submission. It is a dash joke. If you're in the inside for that one, mate, with people getting Josh as an opponent, are people excited about that challenge or they, or is he struggling to find opponents? The scariest Blake. fighter in Australia uh, uh, like uh, on the uh, up and up. Obviously, Blake's just jumped at it. Is there is there that little struggle to find him opponents? Just seeing his his finishes lately. A hundred percent. Obviously, yep. you know the guy was undefeated as an amateur. He was undefeated. He's undefeated as a pro. He's he, he he's you know, it's a hard sort of I guess thing to muster up for. You got to look at this guy who's just ran through people and just knocked him out. He's very violent. Hits hard. Um, and then look, granted, the people that he's fought so far in his pro career. I guess, you know, I'm going to call it, I can call it how it is. You had someone in Trevor Sinclair who got filled in for his teammate who pulled out. Uh, he was mentally, I just don't think that he respected Josh's ability and, and actually how hard he hits because he got buzzed in the fight. And then obviously you saw afterwards he was talking about a low blow and oh, if that didn't happen and wanted to run it back. It's like, that's not the case. You got cracked by a dude that hits hard. He's got bricks for hands. And he put him on you and he put you away. And then Josh's last fight, look, don't get me wrong. He fought Taylor Kelly. I, I like Taylor Kelly. I actually used to train a lot with him when I was up in North Queensland and base there. And yeah, a couple of years ago, Taylor Kelly, absolute gun. You know, fought the who's who in Australian MMA. Um, you know, like the Brenton Mumfords in, in New Zealand, like the Kieran Joblins, you know, these guys. Having such a long layoff and then coming in and fighting a guy who's been super active and is just fighting like all the time, you know, at the moment. And you're coming in there thinking that you're just going to rely on how you used to fight a few years ago without really being active and still training. And and you're just, you know, it, it was just never going to be a recipe for success. So as impressive as Josh has been, it is hard to sit there and go, okay, well, yeah, we'll look at the, you know, he's fought some, you know, crazy talented people, uh, which to be brutally honest, he hasn't up until this point, this is the first real test for him. So yeah, I can, I can understand why people would look at his performances and go, I don't want to fight that guy. But at the same time, I'm surprised that there wasn't more people being like, give me that fight. Like, give me that fight. Let's do it. I want to test myself. This guy's, this guy's meant the, you know, he's got all this hype. He's, he's packing out stadiums, getting people in to watch him fight. I want to test myself against this dude because you fight him, you beat him, you snatch all that hype away. And then, that all goes goes to you. It's like a, it's a win win really for you. He's every time he fights now, everything's on the line for him. The person that he's fighting against, yeah, they've got to be on and they've got to be respectful and they've got to like realize the challenge that's ahead. But they've just got to go out there and do what they do, and it's a win win regardless. Cracking oh, fights, there, do you? Absolutely. Aren't crazy. we just the the region that keeps on giving? JVH, uh, he, he hit it with the, the second fight. One that I'm very excited about, DL, uh, Lisa the Savage. Lisa the Savage. Very active, very active on the gram as well, and I'll definitely be tuning into this one. Wishing her all the very best. Um, we had just into Austin, obviously, on the podcast earlier today, and she talked about uh, Lisa a little bit with her fight. And Lisa some, also just got a win over um, Alicia Smith as well. So Yeah. Um, it's all pretty, coming around. It's, it, mate, it's, all, it's all circular. It's all mate. circular. And then I think Lisa's opponent – Lost to Chelsea Hackett in 2019. Like it's all, it's all, it's all connected. <laughs> it's mate. all connected. It's all connected. It's all connected. Now, JVH, before we let you go, have you got anything for us? A rumor, a bit of news, a bit of something for us, a bit of, bit of juicy local knowledge for the boys. All right, boys. First off, oh. I 
believe that there is a high potential that I've been told that there will be a UFC event in Perth in August. I'll stop it. So that could, uh, that could <laughs> no, actually, just no one's allowed in. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, Perth is a, a, that's a curious part of it, but you know, if things sort of open up and old mate McGowan over there, you know, pulls his finger out, we could potentially see a gang more oh. Aussies getting on a card in the UFC and, you know, oh. think about it how stacked that card could be. You could have... They'll check Della on the main card for sure. Yeah, you could so. have the Adesanya. You could have, you know, Adesanya, you could have Volk. You could have Whitaker. You could have Matthews. You could have Crute. You know, you could have Malaki, Malkoon. There's just Casey O'Neill could come back and fight in Australia yep. for the first time in ages. Um, there's just a gang of people. You could see people like Jack Jenkins, Jack Becker, potentially being debuting on a card like that. That's a that's a big Mate. a big plus and a big bonus for Australia, man. Right, I've just written Perth August on me diary, boys. Yeah, we'll clear out that, my schedule. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see if that comes in. Beautiful scoop there. Now, mate, before we let you wrap up your segment, we got two things for you. One, we need a pick from you for Adesanya, Robert Whitaker on the weekend. It's obviously a big pay per view. Which way is the fight going? It is gonna go to our. Friend Israel, the stylebender Adesanya, and I believe he is going to put on an absolute clinic. It's going to be shades of Kamaru Usman, Tyron Woodley, complete shutout over five rounds. I don't see a finish coming in this fight, um, and that's also going to be credit to Rob's improvement and what he's been able to do and the adjustments he's made. But I believe ultimately Adesanya is going to go out there, put on a show, and uh, I'm also hearing from a quite reliable source that we're going to see Adesanya shoots some takedowns and look to completely show out in this fight. So, right, yeah, right. keep an eye out for that, guys. Um, we're going to see Izzy just do what Izzy does on the feet, but potentially we're going to yeah. learn that Izzy can do it all from what I'm being told. I like it. Mate, um, before we let you go, anything you would like to plug? I know you've uh, just started a new podcast. Yeah, so actually today it's gone live on this beautiful night here in Australia. So Fight Talk Down Under, which I'm doing with Dan Meehan from Fight News Australia. We're actually, yeah, we're going to be doing a weekly podcast, which would be super cool. So yeah, that's 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 going to be up and running now. Um, obviously, first episode's up now. People can find it on YouTube, Spotify, where, you know, all those places that you normally would look for your podcasts and content. Um, also, Saucy Picks, my little YouTube segment yes. show, I guess. That's um, still happening. Uh Bullseye Australia makes some great sources and they've sent me a new run. So I've got an oh. exciting batch of sources to, to test out on the podcast. Um, no, he's he's yeah. going to send some product. Lovely. And then I will be in action on Hex as well. I'm fighting a guy named Joshua Riley, who is based in Melbourne, um, trains alongside guys like Michael Barber, um, Nikos Krepper, and you know a gang of other people. I believe he, he does some work at a different, bunch of different gyms, hasn't fought for a while but i'm excited i'm not taking him lightly i'm excited for the challenge but you know lockjaw is going to go out there and do what lockjaw does had a bit, a bit of a brand change since we had you on the podcast like last mate you had uh from the spring rock to the, the lockjaw talk us through it all right boys so we're in camp for, <laughs> for ortega we we're helping volpers you know we're in camp he's preparing for ortega jamie is obviously preparing for Devonte, and you know a bunch of us were, were hoping to get fights as well while we're in camp it was probably, I guess, the third or fourth week into the camp. Um, I came in on the Wednesday and 
I walk in in the morning, we're all sort of kind of stretching, chopping it up, having a bit of a chat. And Josh Kulabau, Trent Gurdon, Jamie Malarkey, Blake Donnelly, Volkanovsky, Colby, they're all just like looking at me and I'm like, what is going on? And they're like, you got to change your fight name. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what you, change it to what? And then, yeah, they just told me it's got to be Lockjaw. And I was like, <laughs> I told <okay."> you. <laughs> and I believe it stemmed from Trent. I believe Trent was the initial sort of yeah. person that, that decided this and then kind of got everyone on board. And then, you know, then you had Joe Lopez also getting on board with, with it. So then I kind of got, yeah, it was just unanimous. I had to just suck it up and be like, okay, Lockjaw, yeah, makes sense. I mean, <laughs> let's do it. So, yeah, so that's how that came about. It was just a, it was just, it was just a vote. And look, if you look around that room, I'm not going to just sound argue. like peer group pressure, peer group pressure, I think. Yeah. Hey. yeah. Well, I saw Volk twitch at me a few times too, you know, he's like, change your fire name and I was like <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, right. like I will jeez <laughs> well mate thanks for jumping on uh, we'll see you next month with a with a new round of uh, local fights exactly we'll get we got plenty to pick from there's a bunch of fights coming up and a bunch of events looking forward to it you'll see I've got a shiny uh, gold UFC belt in the background <laughs> there and I see you've got a shiny uh, silver UFC belt so just wondering if you wanted to throw down a, a little challenge on whoever lands the most takedowns uh, here from Whitaker. <laughs> he's trying to steal your belt. He's trying to collect all the belts. <laughs> he's trying to steal belt. He wanted to, he wanted to try to steal fucking um, Kyle Noakes' belt as well with a belt there. <laughs> Look, for you, I'll do it. I'll put it up. If, 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 if Adesanya doesn't take Robert down. I, what I was going for, if uh, Statman hadn't interrupted, was... If uh, Rob Whitaker lands less takedowns than Izzy, then then I'll package that up, express mail, uh, signed on delivery, straight to you. Done but deal. And, and, and if it's my belt, and let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> He's giving away your belt. He's giving away my belt. That's fun. And then after a few photo ops on the Gold Coast, I, we can re-exchange back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. See you later, boys. Cheers, lad. Well, boys, looks like it's time to jump into the first picks of the year. Statman, we're doing UFC 271. Where are we going first? Well, first up, as as we love to do on this podcast, uh, we love to highlight the oceanic flair of, sp- of specific cards. Um, and this one actually gives it to us in spades. Uh, I can't recall another card not based in Australia or New Zealand that's had seven oceanic fighters on the card, um, dotting the early prelims, the prelims, the main card, and, of course, the main event. Um, so I really just wanted to very, very quickly highlight um, some of the the outstanding upcoming uh, and present Australian and uh, New Zealand talent that is on this UFC 271 card. First up, we have Blood Diamond making his UFC debut against Jeremiah Wells. We've got Jacob Malkin versus AJ Dobson, Carlos Ulberg versus Fabio Charant, and Casey O'Neill, King Casey O'Neill against Roxanne Modaferi on the prelims. On the farewell tour um, too, Roxanne Modaferi's. Yeah, we, we, big. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, of AJ Dobson as well, but yeah, Roxanne Modaferi, um, legend of the sport and, and going up against Casey O'Neill in what will more than likely be her retirement fight. She's hinted at a couple of times. So um, kind of a like a, a passing of the torch moment without 
without reading too far into predictions of how that fight will go. I'll probably get this quote wrong, stat man, but I think Casey said, I'll make sure she goes out quickly. Yeah, yeah, like a, a nice early night <laughs> yeah. for her retirement. Yeah. She, 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 she said it, and I think a lot of people took it as if she was disrespecting no. Roxy, and I just took it as this is a competitor who wants to finish her night quickly. Casey O'Neill wants to go out and uh, celebrate yeah. her win. Yep. Casey, you don't get paid by the by the hour in the UFC or the paid by the minute. You get paid for the job, whether you get it done in three seconds or if you get it done in fifteen minutes. So, Casey O'Neill, cold as ice in her interviews, and I fucking love yeah, that's it. Awesome. Um, so very very excited to see her get her. This would be her fourth, her third, her fourth, I yeah. think, fourth victory yep. uh, in in the UFC, which very very excited for. It's a bad fight for a retirement fight too, isn't it? Yeah. What, what are some of the worst that you can remember retirement fights where they've matched them up with an up-and-coming killer? Because I, I see this one as being an incredibly bad fight for Roxy and everyone knows that I love Roxy and I've tipped her before many times. On the, I, I can't go nearer for this one, Statman. Uh, well, Tyron Woodley got like a pretty bum, a bum fight in his final UFC fight um, on the back of like a string of losses. They gave him Vicente Luque on the last fight of his contract, especially like a fighter like Tyron Woodley who was slowing down, throwing less punches to throw him against like violence incarnate Vicente Luque. The only worst fight for him, for Tyron Woodley at that time would have been Hazmat Shamayev, I reckon. Um, and, and Vicente Luque pieced him up and made short work of him. So, uh, I think it's a, maybe a little bit disrespectful to Roxanne Modafferi. <laughs> Look, uh, I do because you, you think of some of the, some of the legends like Anderson Silva went out with it, Uriah Hall, who was always you know loosely compared to him, yeah. but he, he he wasn't someone who he's not an up and coming killer to pair someone going out up against Casey Anu, who I, we all see is the next big thing in this division. Whew. Look out, Jane. Okay. Kane. And Roxanne Modafferi has never offended a single person <laughs> in her entire life. I don't know what she's done to piss off uh, Joe Silver, but, you know, uh, we move on. Um, boys, a little bit different just because we've had such a jam-packed um, potty so far. The first two fights on the main card, we're just going to get rapid-fire selections. I'm going to go first. No Craig, no Craig stats for these ones. Um, in the lightweight division, we've got Bobby Green versus Nazrat Hakparast. I'm going Nazrat Hakparast. I'm taking Bobby Green. Yeah, look, Bobby Green, I, I thought was spent. So any any time a mid-30s goes on a two-fight skid, you think, okay, we're, we're approaching. And then he bounced back with a big yeah. knockout against Al Quinto, who I've, you know, maybe I'm, I'm on my own here, boys, but I've got a lot of respect for Al Quinto. So that one holds some some street cred in, in Stoney's book, but I'm still on Nasrat. I think uh, he, he's younger, he's hungry, he's up and coming. You know, aside from the Dan Hooker loss, you know, he, he was on a, a big it's string of wins. not a bad loss. It's not a bad loss. It's not a bad loss, and that's not going to age terribly either. So uh, I, I still think... Nazrat's got big things ahead, and I'm tipping him in this one. Beautiful. And then uh, the second fight on the main cargo bantamweight bout between Kyla Phillips and Marcelo Rojo. Uh, I'm going Kyla Phillips. So, uh, the, the fights end so quickly between both of these guys, and Kyla Phillips loves to sprint. Uh, I reckon he gets it done. Yeah, I'm with I'm with the stat man in this one. I'm taking Kyla Phillips. Look, likewise, boys. Clean sweep. When in doubt, uh, you got a 35 and a 26. Always back the 26. It's as simple as that. Then we head into the middleweight division. I, I believe that this is seen as maybe like a spare parts for the main event in case it's something terrible befalls the opponents. Uh, we've got Jared Cannonier against Derek Brunson. Jared Cannonier is currently the only fighter in the UFC middleweights top five who does not have a loss to Israel Adesanya on his record and is hoping to turn a win into this, into a de facto title shot against Izzy. 
for this fight, I am going Jared Cannonier. Derek Brunson is uh, obviously a phenomenally talented athlete. I do think that he is the gatekeeper of this division. I, this might actually be a, a bit of a fight between the gatekeepers of the middleweight division who allows uh, the next person into the upper echelons. Uh, we'll probably see the loser of this fight go up against Sean Strickland to see if they can pass into um, the top five instead. Uh, Jared Cannonier has the athleticism on Derek Brunson in this fight, and I do see him taking this one. Uh, it doesn't matter to me if this was on 270 like it was supposed to be or 271. Jared Cannonier is going to take it. I love the fact that Whitaker's beaten both these lads and it's the, it's the um, third on the uh, on the fight card. So uh, I'm taking Jared Cannonier. Look, boys, I'm on Cannonier as well. But just quickly a shout out Derek Brunson. He revived his career better than I thought he could have when he, he was, I think, I'm going to say one and four, maybe two and four. Uh, he, he dropped to Rob Whitaker. DL, you and I were at that one. Mm. I remember it well because I had just ruptured my Achilles and oh, yeah. uh, you purchased us triple Z seats. <laughs> so we're up in, so. the, in the far bleachers of, uh, of uh, Rod Laver Arena. Uh, he then went on to lose to Anderson Silva and I think he got a win over our lad Dan Kelly uh, and then an outgoing Leota Machida before losing to, to Jack Ray Souza and then obviously Israel Adesanya. So he dropped to all of the main contenders and he just thought this lad's just not quite good enough to mix it with the elite. He's then bounced back. He's had five fights in a row, beat the uh, beat the brakes off Kevin Holland in a unanimous decision, uh, got the sub over Darren Till. So all the credit to Derek Brunson. He's made himself relevant again. But uh, Jared Cannonier, you take out that Rob Whitaker loss and he has been an absolute killer and I, I expect him to to put on an absolute clinic. So Jared Cannonier for Stoney on this one. Heading into the co-main event, we have a heavyweight division clash between Derek Lewis and Ty Tuovasa. A study by the University of Arizona found that toilet seats contain around 1,000 bacteria, whereas the inside of a shoe contains three times that amount with 2,887. Um, just... just um, just some hopefully ties listening to this and um, takes takes heed of some health advice from his friendly neighborhood <laughs> stat man. I was literally just telling my wife about this. She'd never heard what a shoey was until she's watching maths like two nights ago. And I say, you've got a classy it. TV. They do shoes on maps. <laughs> I'm saying this is old news. This guy does it from people's shoes in the crowd. Like, get with the times. Well, you can you can you can tell the missus about the uh, the study from University of Arizona. So. And I will. And I will. <laughs> uh, this fight. This fight is actually one the one that I'm most kind of not confused about, but the most up in the air about. I, I just think that there's so many variables in this fight. Um, I think that. I think that two of us probably has a speed and dare I say it, a cardio advantage coming into this fight against Derek Lewis. Um, and it'll be very, very interesting to see the power, um, the power discrepancy between the two. I have to think that Derek Lewis probably hits harder. Uh, and if, if the thing that comes back that I keep coming back to is the shot that landed on Ty Tuivasa seconds before he was able to knock out Greg Hardy, it was a hard shot from Greg Hardy, who is no slouch in the power division. It wobbled Ty Tuivasa, and he was able to throw a throw a hail mary punch that st- stunned Greg Hardy, who rushed in due to maybe a lack of experience in that in that um, in the combat world. If Derek Lewis lands on Ty Tuivasa, and Derek Lewis is a better striker than Greg Hardy and hits harder than Greg Hardy. Um, I think that he has the power to knock Ty Tuivasa out. 
Uh, and that is what I'm banking on happening. Uh, I'm taking Derek Lewis in one. It's either going to be a first round finish from either of these boys or a three round decision. Um, I'm taking Derek Lewis in one. Um, I just can't see Ty Tuivasa standing over an unconscious Derek Lewis. It's just, it's just. See, Derek Lewis has been KO'd and TKO'd before, but I don't know why. I know Ty Tuivasa hits like a fucking truck. I just can't see it in this fight. Uh, so Derek Lewis in one KO. Ty's biggest challenge. Um, this would be huge if he gets a win over the Black Beast. I don't know. Do you start talking belts? Pro- probably. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he wants it, but here he is. If he gets it done, I think he gets it done early. I think he gets it tied to Avasa in one, boys. Oh, jeez. Look, boys, I just look at some of the names that Derek Lewis has got on that resume. And I, granted, the most boring fight in UFC history, but Francis Nagano, then Alexander Volkov. Yeah. Uh, we talk about the, the cardio stat man. Uh, even if uh, split decision, Latifi, unanimous decision. So he's gone the distance before. Like he, 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 you know, his cardio, I think it started to improve after uh, particularly the Cormier fight. And yeah. Alex, uh, Olenek, uh, Curtis Blades, uh, he's got some good names. I think he takes title of Arsa and I agree he does it in one. Uh, we head to the main event. We've got a middleweight title fight between Israel Adesanya and Robert Whittaker. In the age of the instant rematch, it certainly seems like a long road back to the title picture for Robert Whittaker. In fact, no other former champion in UFC history has had to win three straight fights off the back of losing their title just to get a second chance at the belt. Um, and I don't, again, this is this is kind of what we were talking about earlier about Roxanne Modafferi. What did she do to the UFC brass? She's the most... Um, unassuming, most polite person. Robert Whittaker has got to be one of one of the ideal company men for the UFC. He's well-spoken. He's softly spoken. He fights like a fucking demon. Uh, and I just don't know. And, and the UFC played a bit of politics with timing and, and, and stuff like that to, to move um, fights around uh, and kind of keep Robert Whittaker away from the title. I just don't know why. I just don't fully understand the, the concept behind it. As far as this fight goes... I unfortunately don't see too much different happening from this uh, from the last time the two of them met. I think I think Robert Whittaker he has he he's at his best when he is lunging forward with with reckless abandon uh, and smashing them. Uh, you think about the Derek Brunson fight in Melbourne, an absolute war. You think about the Yoel Romero fight where you take as good as you get. Israel Adesanya is a sniper. Israel Adesanya is a counter striker. Robert Whittaker's game unfortunately does not work so well um, against against someone like Israel Adesanya. I think the path to victory for Robert Whittaker is if he looks at what Jan Blahovic did, um, a grappling-heavy, neutralizing game plan, um, in which case he, he does have an avenue there. I just think that old habits die hard. Robert Whittaker loves to stand and bang. He, st- he stood and banged with um, Yoel Romero. Um, I think that Israel Adesanya takes this one and I see it as a third round TKO. Um, hoping Whitaker gets the W, but I think I, 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 looking at the two styles, I just don't think enough has changed, um, even, even given the time period be- between the two fights. Boys, you know I can't go against my boy on this one. So I'm just going to keep it really clean and simple. It's TKO, Israel Adesanya, round two. I've got all the love for Robert Whitaker. Please don't get confused with that public. It's just that I can't go past that, is he? So uh, TKO round two. 
Look, boys, I, I rewatched the, the UFC 243 fight. Yeah. Um, and actually not as close as my memory suggested. So I'd never watched a back step, man. I'd never gone back to the to the video after that faithful day where we all came together. You know, we've been through it a thousand times. I remembered it being uh, like I, I genuinely thought Whitaker had a few moments where he, you know, he was so close to, to landing. And, and then I watched it back and I think you know, I think I was a little bit deluded and, and probably a bit biased and that was weighing into to my recollection. That, that was a 100% Izzy had his measure that day, you know, no, no other way about it. Uh, I, I think Rob Whitaker took into that game plan, uh, taking a lot from Calvin Gastelum. He saw him charging in a lot, a lot of reckless shots, and I think Rob Whitaker backed his ability over Calvin Gastelum to actually land and get the job done. In the benefit of hindsight, I think he's going to come in, as you say, vastly different with his game plan. I think he's going to look to mix it up with some takedowns, which everyone actually wanted to see from him in uh, the first fight and didn't. Um, you talk about not not a lot's changed. I've seen a very different Rob, Rob Whitaker, particularly in the fight with Cannoneer, like his reliance on the on the jab and not rushing in being a lot more measured his fight with Darren Till I thought was very disciplined that fight with Israel Adesanya I would hazard and say that was un-Rob like so I don't think we're going to see as reckless charging across the octagon throwing haymakers I think we're going to see a very more measured approach with a few technical uh, tinks don't be surprised if there's some takedowns. I've got my UFC gold riding on it Statman um, but I'm picking Rob Whitaker to get the knockout in the third round I, I, overall, Snags' picks were Bobby Green, Kyla Phillips, Jared Cannonier, Tai Tuivasa, uh, and... Uh, was there a finish in the tie fight? Tai Tuivasa by... No, he didn't say by decision. He said by KO in the third, was it? Yeah, my, that sounds good enough for me. Yeah. Uh, and Let's Israel Adesanya one. by decision was the, the final. No, Israel Adesanya no, by the no, fifth round, round KO. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. And just a great that. 100%, it was uh, Derek Brunson over Jared Cannonier for snacks. Oh, mate, yeah. my, my, my brain's all over the place apparently. Boys, that rounds out the podcast. If you like what we're doing, please like, share, or subscribe to the podcast. That is the best way to stay up to date. That is us for episode 65, boys. I'm producer DL. On the stat, man. My name is a former runner-back, but soon-to-be coastal current champion. <laughs> coastal combat stony, they call me. Coastal combat stony. Oh, I like that. That's good. Um, we'll run it back with you on the next runner-back podcast. Coastal combat stony. Coastal combat stony. <laughs> Just imagine if you did collect everyone's belts. Where's the, where's the nearest coast to you guys? Like 20 minutes. Oh, that's pretty good. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Just go down to the beach and just start fighting people. Yeah. Real the 90-mile beach championship deal. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Well, that's got a nice ring to it. We might have to set a promotion down 90-mile beach. It'll be like nice little uh, MMA cage at the, at the surf club. Yeah, I, I reckon, I reckon there'd be an RSL there, right?